thank you, Reverend What's on the CD? And it's so amazing how things evolve. Because in the five years since I wrote those songs and we were able to record them and get the CD out and begin incorporating this music into my uh, presentations, that song has become a theme song. That has been the one that really seems to connect with people and I think it, it sums up what I'm all about as well. I'm so excited to be here though, you know, I only have a few minutes, you know, trying to figure out what to share. But I think, as the Reverend Tim said, um, the importance of Black History Month has really evolved. I think in some ways it was about acknowledging history that had been lost. It was about uh, reclaiming and, and, and um, uh, identifying people who have made contributions that uh, you may not have known about. But for me, it's even deeper because it's a reaffirmation of holding on. And as I say, we are the product of survivors. We are the product of the ones who went through in seemingly insurmountable things, the ones who went through terrible times, the ones who dealt with political upheaval and all kinds of inhumanities, the ones who still held on because there was something they had, there was something they had that made them think that it was possible for something to be better. It was possible for more to happen. It was possible that our children and those children's children could have it better. So when I introduce myself now, I say I'm Kitty Oliver and I talk about race in a hopeful way. And it's interesting to watch the evolution over the last 20 years since I've been doing what I call uh, race and change work. And really what it's doing is looking at issues of race and ethnicity and cultural differences and finding ways to let remind us of what we already know, that we are all one, that we have many similarities, that sometimes the walls are there just simply because we haven't looked around them or we haven't climbed over them. So my work becomes creating environments where people can come together and affirm what we know already within this uh, congregation. So I always use the uh, theme of uh, the journey of the quest because that's what I've been on all this time. You saw some of it in uh, the Beatles uh, documentary which was bringing me full circle after over 50 years with an experience I'd almost forgotten about and certainly not knowing what a landmark thing it was that I went there alone despite not knowing what I was facing in that environment, and it opened the door for a personal journey that led me to the University of Florida as one of the first black freshmen. There were five of us. There were 35 students of color. There were 18,000 students on campus and having to live on campus, and then being one of the first black journalists in the Miami Herald. But my race and change oral history work began because I wanted to talk to people from other countries and cultures and even other parts of the U.S. who had moved down here who were trying to find their way and adapt just like I did in that journey that I made. And little did I know it was going to lead me even over to Africa doing the same kind of interviews in Ghana and over 125 interviews with blacks, whites, Hispanics, Caribbeans of all different uh, backgrounds. 
engaging in this uh, dialogue. So the personal journey is helping grow and learn about people. The societal journey has been going on at the same time. When um, my fiance and I drove into this community, I remember that when I came here, uh, circa 1970, blacks did not live in the southwest section of Fort Lauderdale, only in the northwest on the other side of Broward Boulevard. And we stayed with some friends from college who were renting a little cottage right across the street uh, on Navy Boulevard. And it was owned by, that whole compound was owned by a very wealthy man who owned what was then Causeway Lumber. And the word got to him that my husband at the time, my ex-husband, uh, he had that these black people were living there. And we didn't know what was going to happen, but we were eventually, uh, we were able to find our own apartments. But looking at how things have changed and evolved just around here. But it's also been a spiritual journey. And that's really what I want to talk about now. Because what I've wanted to know all along is, despite all that's happened to us, through this issue of race and differences and how we behave and interact with each other and all the pain we could cause, despite all the appearances that we're seeing even now, today, just as our ancestors have encountered, and all the concerns we have for our children and the future and, and what's going to happen, how can we find a way to love? How can we find a way to hold on and love? So my new thought foundation is what I end up drawing on. Because believe me, as I go out and begin trying to talk to people about this issue in a healing way, the resistance is always there. And it's not easy. I go from, why are you talking about race again? We don't have a problem with race. It's those other people who have a problem. Why aren't you talking more about race? <laughs> so if I was pulled and pushed, <laughs> pulled and pushed all kinds of ways just simply because this is an issue that's at the core of us as humans. We know that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We know that there's no such thing as race. Even the scholars and the researchers will tell you that it's something we created and as a result of creating it, it does all, serves all of these purposes politically, economically and all. But yet it's a topic that we still want to talk about because we experience it all the time. I call it the gap that we experience. That we can be, our hearts can be as right as can be, our intentions and all can be, but often we will have encounters that make us pause. We're acting in good faith in one way with somebody from a different country, a culture, a background, and they're receiving it in an entirely different way, and then we go, oh my goodness. And we have to make those decisions about how we're going to, if we're gonna roll forward or roll backward. But spiritually, we know that the outer situations that show up in our lives represent the inner spiritual work we're called to do. And problems or opportunities and workloads, right? So we have situations in our personal lives that we know we need to apply spiritual principles like hope, faith, commitment, perseverance, if we're dealing with health issues, if we're dealing with prosperity issues, relationship issues, career goals. 
But we're also called to use those same principles when we leave this gathering or when we move beyond our personal lives out in the world. And that's where it gets tricky, right? If we could only stay in this room, in this congregation, every day would be Sunday. It would be perfect and wonderful and nirvana. Oh, yes. And sometimes people talk about uh, progress like that. Oh, what would progress look like? Oh, everybody would be loving everybody. Everything would be perfect. Everything would be... And then what? That's not life. We're here in a, we're in a classroom. And we're constantly given lessons and experiences to work in that classroom and to grow. Personally, in a spiritual way, and also in the world. To be that light in the world. So I want to just tell you three things I've learned, three spiritual lessons out of this work in the world, and maybe for those of you who are doing work in the world, to uh, help you to not give up and to hold on. The first lesson is show up. If you don't show up, nothing will get done. If you hide out, in your own world, in your own head, in your own issues that you're trying to resolve, nothing will get done. The purpose of us to get stronger and stronger spiritually is to go out and be that spiritual light in the world, right? The purpose of healing and transforming our minds and our bodies and our lives is that we can go and tell others, show others how it's done to give them hope in order to do it. The purpose of us as elders with these young people, and it's so wonderful to see them here, is to be able to tell stories of transformation and stories of how you deal with problems and how it challenges and how you overcome them. Not telling them the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Everything's terrible, or my favorite one. Everything was perfect when I was young. It's too bad. Too bad it's so bad now. You know, you fixed it though. But there has to be uh, an outgrowth of our spiritual work that is manifested in our outer world because that's where the spiritual work is needed. Yes, if you're not quite able, yes, if there are things you need to work on, yes, when you feel vulnerable, you retreat. But it's always with the idea that you're going to go out and let your light shine brighter in order to show up in the world, show up in other people's lives. Uh, spiritual lesson two was you got to take a risk. For me, it was, uh, I don't often share this, but um, I did uh, write about it, but I don't often talk about it. But after adjusting at that university experience that I told you about, and the difficulties I went through personally, but I managed to adjust, and by the time I was graduating, there were more and more black students coming there, and they were forming the Black Student Union, and they were looking at me as a traitor, as being a conciliatory personality at a time when it was combated and you had to take a stand. And I find it very interesting that there is a negative cultural name in every culture 
for people who step out of the culture and, and shine that light brighter on others in order to expand the world. And um, I, it's, it's, it's called an Oriole within the um, uh, black community. Hispanic friend of mine said, oh yes, we have that. Coconut, brown on the outside, coconut on the inside. And then a Chinese man I was interviewing, he says, oh yeah, banana. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. And they even have a negative, and, oh, and then the Native American uh, apple. But so we're dealing spiritually with a, a, a challenge and a tug, of, uh, you know, so a tug or there in a lot of ways, and how to, to practice our spirituality in the world. But taking the risk of not being accepted and totally understood while we're doing it is necessary in our spiritual journey in the world. And then finally, the big one is intention. What is your intention? Intention is a spiritual skill. Intention is not attention. Attention is what you focus on. Uh, Deepak Chopra says that intention is one of the uh, seven spiritual laws. Even intention is having what's your plan, what's your objective, what's your aim that guides you into action. Understand, complaining is not an action step. I hate to tell you. Sometimes people feel that way. If I complain enough, if I sound off enough on Facebook, you know, if I, um, you know, uh, talk back at television and whatever, but that's not an action step. It's when you have a spiritual objection and a spiritual action paired together, then your intention, that spiritual action, becomes your calling. So, if we're willing to show up for life, even for the problems in the world, the challenges, the situations that are calling for attention, and we say, all right, I'm going to stay awake and stay aware. If we're willing to take a risk, all right, I know it's not going to be easy. Some people are not going to understand. Uh, but if you have a clear intention of why you're doing it and what you're doing it, then you can move forward. For me, the calling is that inner urging, uh, Reverend Eric Budworth says, towards something more. That sense of expressing God, spirit, divine principles in every situation and making a difference. I remember when I left the newspaper and began on this journey of uh, the grace and change work, I, had, I told someone, I said, I must be about my father's business. Once you have that as your intention and your calling, then you can move forward spiritually to do whatever work is put before you. So you've heard what I do in terms of my work. You've heard um, sort of how I do it and trying to bring people together. But my intention is very strong. My intention is to heal. My intention is to give hope and inspiration. My intention is to tell you no matter what you're going through right now, your voice is important. Your presence in the world is important. You touch people every moment of the day. And if we can stay aware of how we are impacting people, this is how the world changes. This is how 
we move forward. It doesn't have to be the grand gesture. It merely has to be recognizing the small moments of change. So I've decided to move forward and just to finish here with one last thing because what else can I do? I've done music, I've done writing, I've done uh, oral histories, and, and I want and I started working with young people and collecting their stories. And I am establishing this month um, the Agents of Race and Change Award. So you're the first spiritual community to hear about this. I've decided uh, to begin using a portion of whatever monies I receive from speaking engagements and various um, uh, with organizations as I travel. Um, I don't have a nonprofit. If there is a nonprofit organization eventually uh, that shows up that would like to take on the project or I can contribute, that's fine. But I am honoring, I'm going to honor young people who are sitting at the other table, who are crossing cultures and races as a part of who they are and what they do in the world. I want to give them a, a monetary award just for them, not a scholarship, not a, and it's for young people up to about 21. Not people who are working and it's part of their job, but people who are showing up in the world as that kind of spirit that we say we want and we know we need. And imagine the power of that, getting a little money in a letter from a stranger saying, you have been nominated as an agent of race and change. You've been seen. How you, as in the way you move in the world and the way you touch people. This is something we can't teach in workshops and rehabilitation and training. This is something we need to encourage and we want you to know that we value this, just like we value athletic talent and academic talent and artistic talent. We value that ability to, be, to move in the world in that spiritual way. And don't you know how important that could be for that kid who's been over there talking to somebody and the rest of their kids, their friends say, what the heck are you doing? Why are you over there? Do they have some names to call you and some things to say about you? That they could have something to say, hey, somebody's noticed me. So there is, there's some flyers in the back, and I'm also inviting you to sign up for my mailing list. Uh, if you want to be on when I announce it, the flyers are that this is going to start. I'm going to announce it in um, uh, the uh, newsletters through a mailing list and through uh, Facebook as well. And I'm going to be asking people like you to just be on the lookout for agents of race and change. Instead of looking for everything, just for everything that's wrong, start looking for what's good. Start looking for somebody who's doing it right. Start looking for a young person who could really be encouraged in order to do it. That's all I need from you. I'm not asking for anything else. And I just need to write out the guidelines so you'll know the information I need. And then I'll take it from there and we'll see where it goes. The Quakers say that the service begins when the meeting ends. When I leave here, I'll go back on the road this week and I'll be talking to organizations, I'll be in um, rural communities bringing um, different uh, ethnic groups together with this kind of dialogue. I'll be moving forward with this project. But I want to leave you with this. May you live in a state of love, in a country of hope, and a wonderful world of peace.
And may you continue to sing the song that Spirit has uniquely given to you. If I can do it, so can you.